Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of the Big Nickel IDP podcast on the Big Three Network. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. And we are back to talk more rookie IDPs. Uh, it kind of feels like forever ago now since the NFL draft uh, actually finished, but there are still a ton of rookie drafts to be done in the coming weeks and, and months before the season actually kicks off. So we got to get that content out content out there for the people. Uh, as most of you are probably aware, last episode, I was joined by the fantastic Kyle Bellifuel as we covered 15 rookie linebackers uh, and ranked them all. It only makes sense that we'd be doing the same thing for 15 rookie edge edge rushers. And joining me to do this is my defensive line coordinator. Uh, he helped me break them down uh, before the draft. And I am honored to have him back on the show to run it back post-draft from idpguys.org, the immortal, as the big three recently referred to him on Twitter, <laughs> Joey the Tooth. Uh, Joey, how are you doing today? I'm very good. I know. I saw that on Twitter. I was... I was like the immortal. Wow. I'm that's, honored. It's a big name. That's a it big is. title. <laughs> it is. I got a lot of live up to now. Yeah. It's, it's a good one though. Immortal's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely worst names you could be called. That's, oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. For, <laughs> so yeah. So I appreciate you coming back on and, uh, I had a lot of fun last time talking at dressers with you. Um, definitely one of the most knowledgeable people I know when it comes to, you know, IDP and, and I appreciate that NFL draft analysis as well. So, um, yeah, that was great. And I'm, I'm definitely lucky to have you back on here. Uh, how did, how did you enjoy the draft? I, I know you, you popped on our live feed there around the midway point and I'm yep. feeling pretty good about the Trey Lance slash not Mac Jones pick at three. Yes. <laughs> oh man. I was, I had so much anxiety going into that pick. I was like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do Mac Jones. Don't break my heart. And they didn't. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I'm, it's going to be a big relief. I'm a big fan of the, the Trey Lance pick actually. Like I'm, I'm very happy they went with him. I, I think he fits. So everybody kind of, like plug Shanahan as a pocket passer coach, mm -hmm. but it's just what he's had to work with his entire career is pocket passers. Right. So he's already said himself before he, the draft even started, he, his offense is catered to people who can run the run pass option and who better in the draft. The only one who is even close is Justin Fields. Right. But I mean, Lance's rushing abilities I, to me much better than anybody else in the draft from the quarterback position that is. Yeah. Yeah. He brings, yeah, he definitely brings that huge upside, um, it, you know, as like an RPO being able to run the RPOs and stuff like that. And yeah, athleticism, he's got mm -hmm. good size and yeah, he's got a monster got arm. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> you didn't see him like pass a ton, uh, at North Dakota state. Like he had mm -hmm. like around 300 dropbacks total or something like that, but right. my God. Yeah. He, there was some monster throws he made. Um, so that's exciting. That, that'll be good mm -hmm. to have, uh, for the 49ers, something that they've missed Jimmy G not, you know, exactly known for his arm strength or anything no. like that. <laughs> noodle arm. Noodle arm. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be exciting. I know a lot of people have like Trey Lance already as their like rookie QB one, uh, for fantasy and stuff, which I definitely get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be good. I'm I'm interested to see if he starts right away or if they run Jimmy G out there for a little bit. But I know I think if he just shows up in camp and he understand he can show an understanding of the offense yeah. because that's the biggest thing is Shanahan's offense is pretty complex. Mm -hmm. So as long as he can go in and grasp the offense, I think they'll just say, you know what, let's go with upside. Yeah, 
Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they have a pretty decent team. Like I think they, you know, they were just in a Super Bowl two years ago. So um, not too far removed from that. I think it'd be interesting if, yeah, they want to push for it. I'd say go for it, obviously. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But how do you feel about the rest of the the 49ers haul there? Um, I think they did a good job pretty much. It, they didn't do anything huge. They just addressed needs. The the big the other big move was trading up for Trey Sermon, which right. It seemed like he didn't fit the scheme as much because I see him more of like an inside runner. But he said himself while he was at Ohio State, he was he was watching a lot of outside zone tape. So he said he's got a great understanding of the offense. And the good thing for him is his biggest thing is his athleticism and his speed to hit the hole. But the 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 biggest thing against him is choosing the correct lane. Right. So in this offense, it's pretty much it's the outside zone and they create huge lanes. So it's yeah. hard to pick the wrong lane. So yeah. I think in this system, he can ex- they can exploit his athleticism. And I think he's actually a pretty good fit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps. Yeah. If, if he if that was one of his issues is picking a lane like outside zone makes a big difference there. Mm-hmm. It kind of simplifies it a little bit. And yeah, you could use that athleticism speed to get to the edge and mm-hmm. hopefully make some big plays. I know people are pretty excited about him for fantasy, too. Yeah. Like he's, he's going up higher and higher in rookie drafts from what I've seen. Um, I mean, he's still like consensus, like number four. Mm-hmm. running back from the group but uh he's rising he's he's getting up there yeah he's um, still like my four or five i'm still not sure who i want to pick him or michael carter because yeah. i think michael carter has a clear path to snaps right but it all depends again in camp like do they do they just flat out cut most air i wouldn't be that surprised if they did yeah. because they just re-signed jeff wilson the only thing is i think they'll keep most air if he takes a step back and sticks to being a special teams ace and as well as like just mixing into the run game and not wanting to be a full-time back. Cause that was his big thing last year. He wanted that new contract. He wanted running back money, not special teams money. And I think personally, I think that was kind of a, uh, that put a sour taste in Lynch's mouth and in Shanahan's mouth. So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, we got guys, man. Yeah we can make it work with pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially coming from a guy who like, I'm pretty sure at that time he had played more special team snaps than he had offensive snaps. Oh, yeah, so it was, exactly. a, it was a weird yeah request on his part. And he was threatening to hold out too. I think. At yeah. One point, yep. Yeah. So then I think his agent was like, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's good advice. Cause yeah. uh yeah, I mean, he, I, I would think that he could be pretty easily replaced. Like he's a good speed guy and everything and right. he's performed well in that offense. But I mean, Shanahan's pretty much made it work with, with any running back back there. Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, other than that, um, they got the guard from Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say his last name is Mac. I can't remember his full name, but he's a, uh, he's a great, he's excellent in pass protection. Okay. So he's not like your move guy on the outside for the zone scheme, but when they drop do dropbacks, he's he's going to be very good. I don't know if he starts right away, but if they they like to rotate guys in the in the offensive line, so I think he can be a guy who can eventually become a full time starter, but maybe mm-hmm. not this year. But they are getting younger at the position, which is something they need to do. Right. Um, then they got um, Jalen Moore, who's a guard slash tackle, I think, out of Western Michigan. Hmm. and he thrives on the outside zone. Like he, his best thing is actually at blocking at the second level when he swings out. Right. So he fits the scheme. Well, 
Um, Aubrey Thomas, cornerback from Michigan. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a good playmaking corner. I mean, he's he doesn't have great like st- stats throughout the year, but if you watch his tape, he's very competitive. He's very intense. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's got very good ball skills, and that's something that the 49ers lack is ball skills in general. Yeah. They have pretty good tackling corners, but they don't have corners with good ball skills. Right. So that's something they definitely had to do. Um, they got another corner, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I know they drafted. Um... Hufanga as well, right? Telano. Yeah, Telano Hufanga. They got him in the sixth. Yeah, yeah, they got Which, him. I mean, good. I get, I guess it's his speed, but I mean, he's kind of that tweener between a, a linebacker and safety. Yeah, but is, I mean, he was the eight uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, wasn't he? Yeah, he. I like, I like Hufanga. I was surprised yeah. he kind of fell that that late as well. And um, yeah, I mean. Jaquiski Tart, like they've been rolling him and Jimmy Ward, who have been okay. Like they're not terrible, but they're, you know, they haven't really done anything special either. But, right. you know, maybe they, Hufanga gets a shot. I don't know, yeah. kind of what, uh, what their plan is for him. But he, you know, if they, if they do run if a strong safety slash linebacker hybrid, I think he'd be, he'd be perfect. Be an interesting for player it. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm going to talk um, safeties and uh, on the next episode with uh, with John Glosser, and uh, I know he liked Tufanga as well coming mm-hmm. out. Um, so we'll have some stuff <laughs> to go there and kind of try to speculate what uh, the 49ers will do. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Jaquiski Tart probably still gets the start. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, he hasn't been bad. He's been a good NFL player. Yeah. His fantasy numbers aren't crazy, but from an NFL standpoint, he plays, he's very good. Yeah. He's a very good player. It's just, he doesn't show up on the stat sheet too often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's definitely like for IDP, he's been very uh, kind of just, yeah, he's he's not, uh, he's not worth rostering in a lot of leagues, but yeah. I mean, maybe Hufunga would be that guy. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) But uh, I mean, they aren't really that deep at linebacker, so it wouldn't be a bad idea. That's true. Yeah. They just signed Nate Jerry for uh, depth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. They have Aziz Al Shahir, I think it is. He's probably going to play the Sam. Yeah, he played. He was playing quite a bit last year in base yeah. um, for them. Yeah, but yeah, it's not like a ton of great no. names there, especially Nate Jerry. I, <laughs> I mean, IDP people like him because he performs well when he's like a starter. Um, oh. He does the job, but yeah, watching him as an NFL fan for your team, it's it's not ideal. No, and you yell at the TV a lot. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> hopefully, he doesn't have to get out there. Hopefully, Fred Warner and Drake Green lost stay healthy and. Uh, Fingers crossed, man. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So, yeah. So last time, um, that you were on, we went through like 10 edge rushers, um, and we really kind of broke down some of their strengths and weaknesses, uh, what we thought, you know, they might be able to do well in the NFL. Uh, so for, for anybody that hasn't heard, uh, that one yet, go back and give that a listen just to get some more kind of detail on these guys. And, and we ranked them one to 10 as well. Uh, and, and, 
that was pre-draft. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, as we kind of go through these landing spots and stuff, rankings were changing then. I'm sure they're changing now again as well. Um, once we see the landing spots, the draft capital, stuff like that. So uh, this time around, um, as new faces enter the fold as well, we're going to be ranking our top 15 edge defenders uh, at the end of the episode. But first, we'll kind of go through, talk about what we think of each player in their new landing spots and cover some of the new names who we didn't get to go over uh, the first time around so we'll get into it here and uh, we'll start things off with the first defensive lineman taken in the draft with the 18th pick in the 2021 nfl draft the miami dolphins select jalen phillips defensive end miami so jalen phillips from Miami goes to Miami, gets to stay with the with the team that he basically earned that first round uh, draft capital from. Um, he was a Miami Hurricane. Now he's a Miami Dolphin. Gets taken 18th overall. He was our consensus number one edge rusher pre-draft. Um, and he gets himself, I think, a pretty nice landing spot here. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's just Emmanuel Ogba uh, on the other side, really. And the Dolphins aren't like this elite pass rushing unit, but I think Phillips certainly helps them. And and it's definitely a nice that he can kind of stay in the city, like I said, where he built that draft stock up. Um, he's also, and we talked about it last time too, with him being a good run defender, the Miami edge defenders as a whole were pretty decent in run defense last season. So mm-hmm. um, again, you know, he gets, they get to keep that um, by drafting Phillips. They get one of the better run defending edge defenders in this class. Um, he had like an 83.0 run defense grade in, in 2020 for the hurricanes. So it was, nice. it was really solid. Um, the one thing that I saw that was interesting that came out, uh, I guess it was this week, but I saw it yesterday um, that the Dolphins are currently using Phillips as a linebacker. So mm. probably the role that Kyle Van Noy, Van Noy was, playing, yeah. Yeah, was playing last season as that kind of detachable edge that can drop into coverage. And, um, you know, th- th- this this kind of scares me for like uh, positional designation reasons. Um, if you're right. playing on like an MFL or something like that. But at the same time, it's not overly concerning because it's still May and basically anything coming out today probably has little to no bearing on, you know, what these players roles look like in season. For example, like the people freaking out about Travis Etienne taking wide receiver reps and things like that. Um, but e- either way, like Phil's going to be able to, yeah, <laughs> he's going to get a chance to rush the passer. You know, if he's dropping into coverage and stuff, it, it, it would hurt him a bit, I would think. Um, but I, I, you know, I have a hard time believing that that would be his full-time role. He, he fits more in, you know, opposite of Emmanuel Ogba, the role that Shaq Lawson was playing last season, um, mm-hmm. something like that. So we get to see that swim move in Dolphins Teal. That's, that's what's going to be uh, pretty, yeah, really exciting because I want to see how it looks in, in the NFL now because it looked really nice in college. But yep. uh, yeah, what do you think about uh, Jalen Phillips here with the Dolphins? <laughs> I think it's fantastic because if you saw when he first got to college in UCLA and he just fought through injuries and then he just, he wasn't there mentally. And when he got to Miami, he showed just this fantastic comfort level. He was healthy and now he doesn't even have to worry about relocating. He can just stay where he is. And it's like, I can just go right in. I don't have to worry about reacclimating myself anywhere, meeting new people, seeing new places. I am here. I don't have to do anything differently. I'm just in the NFL now. 
Yeah. That's so, and then, cool. like, from a mental standpoint, he's already got the leg up on a lot of these guys. Yeah. But I, I'm not too worried about the Van Noy role. I think he's too good of an edge rusher for them to use him like permanently in that role. What it could end up doing is if he does spend a little time at linebacker, he could be a higher, higher tackle edge rusher. He's still spend a lot of time on the edge, but then have more tackles than your, your normal base edge rusher. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the the little upside to the Van Noy role. But even if he does get designated at a linebacker, if he does go to the Van Noy role full time, Van Noy was still like an LB three. So it's still not a terrible spot for him. But yeah, I mean, Van Noy, he was, he was fantasy relevant for, yeah. for a, a few stretches there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's definitely not the worst thing. It, it definitely, it's one of those things that hurts more. Like if your league designates players as either DE or, or LB, right. Um, right. And then the scoring is, is different, right? So mm-hmm. linebackers might not get as many points for a sack or, or a tackle than, right. than a defensive end, but you know, you could just play true position and, uh, and and fix all that there's definitely perfect a fix. yeah <laughs> yeah but uh i'm curious your take on this one so i uh after jalen phillips got drafted we we were in like the the pff group chat and and i presented this take uh, <laughs> and the social media team kind of took it and ran it as a post but i i said that jalen phillips had the clearest path to uh defensive rookie of the year um, out of, out of any, anybody in this class. So there, there were people agreeing with it, liking it, retweeting it. And then there was also a few people who weren't agreeing with it. So <laughs> I'll see where you, you land on it just between agreeing or, you know, we got some people that said straight up, no others, other players were named. Um, and then we got some of the classic social media responses like, oh. uh, <laughs> are you drunk? Yeah. Uh, who cares what PFF Macri has to say? And then oh, my man. favorite, my, <laughs> my absolute favorite, the guy, this guy was straight to the point. Uh, you need to fire this guy. So wow. that, <laughs> that Dude, why, why are people so terrible? Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're so mean, but uh, it's okay. Um, so we're, I'm just curious, where do you think that he can be in contention for defensive rookie of the year? I said he had the clearest path, but like, well, I'm curious who you think is, is your favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Um, it's kind of, t- I, I want to say like, he definitely has a clear path, not a clear path, but he, he's definitely in the conversation. Um, him, I think, uh, Jamin Davis. Yeah. Um, Zayvon Collins, considering that he's taken over that mic role, that's, right. that's pretty huge. Um, but I mean, other than that, I think you, you can take any of the top three edge guys who minors, Ojolari, Pei, and, um, and Jalen Phillips, and all three have clear paths to volume snaps. Right. And those are the three best edge rushers in this draft, I would say for, yep. for me at least. And I mean, you think Ojolari is on an elite defense. Jalen Phillips is just elite. And Quiddy Pie goes to a pretty outstanding line as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they all landed in good spots. Yeah. So I think any of the top three edge guys have a chance at a defensive rookie of the year. I don't really see a safety taking yeah. it by any means. It, it's going to be probably Davis Collins. And then I, I'm interested to see what happens with uh, Owusu Koromora and Micah Parsons. I want to see how their roles play out, but mm-hmm. I think direct snaps it's for volume, it's going to be Davis and Collins and then the three edge guys, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think those would probably be the favorites. Like if you looked at betting odds and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, they mostly look at stats, right? So they're, right. you know, if like Darius Leonard, you know, if mm-hmm. they put up 130 tackles or whatever it is, they're going to be in the conversation. If they put mm-hmm. up, you know, 12 sacks or something like that, they're going to be in the conversation. So yeah, I, I, I just, <laughs> I was just curious if, it, cause I mean, for some people, obviously, that was a crazy take, but I, I really didn't think it was. So. No, it's yeah. everything, everything, every take, no matter how educated, well thought out it is, somebody's going to say you're an idiot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No matter what, even if it's a great take, somebody's going to say you're an idiot. Yeah, so no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, we all can't just get along. It's I know. <laughs> But yeah, I've been I've been trying to get Phillips um, in a lot of rookie drafts. I, I think I've only been able to get him in one out of seven rookie drafts so far. Um, I think I'm about the same. Yeah, it's it's been hard. Like he, you know, you don't want to take him like at the beginning of the second, but mm-hmm. he ends up going mid second, late second, something like that. So if you're not drafting in that spot, you're probably missing him. I think the only time I got him was our XFFL draft with the big three guys. I got him at two oh nine. So um, I, I was happy with that. Hopefully st- he keeps stays a DE on uh, on RSO. But um, yeah, I, I've been swinging and missing and getting Phillips in, in rookie drafts, which is unfortunate because I, mm-hmm. I do like him a lot. But yeah, uh, agreed. Yeah. But uh, all right, we'll move on to our next name on the list. We're the 21st pick in the 2021 NFL draft. The Indianapolis Colts select Quiddy Pay, defensive end, Michigan. All right. So Quiddy Pay was taken 21st overall by the Indianapolis Colts. I'll let you uh, kind of do an intro here for Mr. Quiddy Pay. I thought the landing spot was perfect for him. So pre-draft, I thought he was, he needs to be a little more technically sound in his rush. Like he's kind of couple, like one or two move dominant and it's his bull rush, but He's got an unbelievable motor and his athleticism and power is unreal. And when you add interior rush, like what DeForest Buckner can provide, it's going to push everything outside. And once it gets outside with his speed and athleticism and power, there's not that much time. So if that quarterback has to get out of the pocket, pay can be right there. Yeah. So I think, I think honestly, I think it's a great landing spot for him. It, It can kind of high mask his ability to show his variety he can actually use his his speed rush and his power rush to his advantage Mm -hmm. so i actually i really like the landing spot for him and he's like i said he's one of the guys he's probably he's probably my two phillips probably one pay two but it's very close honestly Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, uh, if pay ends up as the top edge in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even after been, I've been pumping Jalen Phillips for the past few months, like it's close enough and, and you could see it. Like we talked about him in the last episode about, you know, his athleticism being elite and, and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, it, it, he's just getting better. So if he continues to improve, uh, with that type of athleticism, there's probably, you know, this, the, the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof as Michael Jordan likes to say, but um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of players in Indy on the edge, but nobody really at pays talent level. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe he does get eased into things to start, but I, I doubt by the end of the season that he won't be their top edge player. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they and like we said, like he he does play well in run defense. Um, that'll be that'll be nice for them to have as well. Uh, as, as far as like fantasy drafts, I, I've seen him kind of go in end of third or end of second, early third, right? On league scoring, that that's kind of been where he's been mostly picked up. So I've been able to get him more so than I have Jalen Phillips. But uh, yeah, I'm happy with it either way. But um, yeah. I've missed so much on both of these guys. I think I only have one share of each of them so far. Oh, really? <laughs> I, know. I have thousands of Ojolari shares just because yeah. I've wait, he's the next guy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like Ojolari has been, he's been falling quite a bit. Like he fell in the NFL draft and then he fell. He's been falling in yeah rookie drafts too. And so I'm okay with taking him. Sure. Oh yeah. As long as he doesn't get listed as a linebacker. I know that's, that's the one thing, but yeah. I'll be curious to see that actually, because I mean they got Leonard Williams who play who's listed as defensive end mm-hmm. everywhere, but he does play more inside as right. well. I mean he plays mostly on the edge, but um, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Hopefully, he doesn't get listed as linebacker, but uh, yeah, that'll be tough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is uh, Quiddy Pay, and the the next edge rusher that was taken off the board after those two guys. Thirtieth pick. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Gregory Rousseau, defensive end, Miami. Rousseau and he goes to the Buffalo Bills. So we talked about, um, you know, Jalen Phillips going from Miami to Miami, not really having that kind of culture shock worry about that. But uh, Gregory Rousseau is going from Miami to Buffalo. <laughs> Big difference there. Big culture shock. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I'm sure he's a little bit jealous of Jalen Phillips. But um, yeah, he was another guy we talked about. Um you know, his athleticism, but also learning to kind of use his length. And, and I, I think he he'll have a chance to kind of develop more in Buffalo. Like they have some, they have some pretty big, like these thick build uh, defensive ends mm-hmm. already there. Mario Addison, uh, Jerry Hughes, AJ Epinesa. Um, so it'll be nice for them to kind of add somebody with, with Russo's length. Uh, and obviously that, you know, he, he opted out of 2020, but we, we saw that monster 2019 season uh, that he had. And that's obviously st- the reason why he lands in the first round, um, Mm -hmm. you know, putting that, that season on tape was, was big for him, obviously. So uh, he's still got a lot to prove at the next level, but I, you know, I don't think he'll be thrown right into the fire um, with what Buffalo usually using a bit of a rotation along their Mm -hmm. defensive line. So I think he'll get a chance to, to get eased into the, into the defense a little bit to start. And uh eventually like kind of like Quiddy pay, like I was saying, like he might get eased in at, at the start, but by the end of the season, I would be surprised if he's uh, the guy that's seeing the most snaps along that defensive line. And um, you know, even if, even that they took Basham in, in the second round, I, I still think of the two of them, Russo probably is going to be the most, the primary target in rookie drafts and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, yeah. What did you think about Russo and uh, in Buffalo? I thought it was a good landing spot. He, mm-hmm. he was another guy who I think needs to be a bit more refined, but he's got yeah. crazy physical traits. And I mean, if you look at Buffalo, they have a very elder uh, defensive line. Yeah. Like you said, Addison, Jerry Hughes, I, is Trent Murphy still there? I don't think Trent Murph. Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I didn't think he was still there, but yeah, if he but, is, he's I mean, not. either way, it's just like it. It's a couple of guys who have shown to be productive throughout their careers, so they can mm-hmm. teach him. 
yeah. I mean, they're obviously older. They are not going to play many snaps. So I like Basham and Russo and we'll see what happens with Epineza. I don't know. He, he could even crack the rotation last year, Yeah, but um, I think they can learn from these guys a little bit early on and then work their way back in the lineup a little more. But I mean, Russo's explosiveness and his size is unteachable. So as long as he can learn some technique, he could be a beast. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think like, I think, like you said, like with, with Addison, with Hughes, these guys are, you know, early to mid thirties at this point. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're not going to be the starters for much longer. I, I doubt they stick around. Uh, you know, past this season, even so, mm-hmm. you're looking at guys like Rousseau, like Basham, um, maybe even Epinesa, judging by their their yeah. rotation on the defensive line that that are going to be the future there. And I, I think Rousseau could definitely be the leader of the mm-hmm. bunch. Um, yeah. Plus, their secondary in Buffalo is really good, so yeah. they can get a lot of those second effort sacks. For sure. If they don't win at the first, they can just keep that motor going, keep that motor going. And I mean, their their secondary is really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely solid. Um, I like Levi Wallace too. Yeah, <laughs> they, I do too. I, Buffalo doesn't seem to be crazy about him. Like they, they, they constantly kind of switching him as a starter to you yeah. know not being a starter, but opposite Tredavious white, they don't really have like a guy, but I do like Levi Wallace in that yeah. role. I think he's a good number two. He, he played great. The the one year he came in, he played like the, the second half of the season as the starter. Right. He was fantastic. Yeah. He played really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm a fan, and and yeah, I agree. They they do have a good secondary. Um, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, mm. obviously still there uh, as safeties. They're not they're not going anywhere. There's been no. staples there now, so yeah, it'll be good. I wonder. I do wonder if they add somebody like a Richard Sherman or something still in free agency would be. I definitely think it would, that would be smart. Get a nice veteran corner opposite mm. Trey Davis White. Yeah, they they're they're a good team. So they're right there. They're on the brink. Obviously, they were there last year. Mm-hmm. kind of knocking on the door. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Adding those edge rushers, I think is going to be huge. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely get some youth there. All right. So going on to uh, the very next pick in the draft, another edge rusher was taken. The Baltimore Ravens select Jason away linebacker Penn State. And that is Odafe Owe. So formerly Jason Owe, he is now going by Odafe Owe. Um, what did you think about uh, about Owe? I know you were a little bit more hesitant about him in the pre-draft. Is this landing spot or any mm-hmm. or draft capital change anything for you for him? I, I do like his landing spot because I think he's more of a outside linebacker than a, than a 4-3 D end. Mm-hmm. And um, with Matt Juden being gone, it actually opens up quite a bit of snaps for him and they didn't really have anybody on the team to fill that role. I mean, who they have, they have Tyus Bowser, Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, Pernell McPhee, who's like 35. <laughs> yeah. Jalon Ferguson, who was like oh. a huge bust. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, OA almost comes in as their most like, f- I don't want to say finished because I don't think he's a, he's a complete player, but he's definitely got the most upside easily yeah. the most upside. But, and after we had the first show, you told me how I, I went back and watched the tape. Cause you were saying he's so close so many times and you're right. You're 100% right. He's, he's like the most unlucky edge rusher. <laughs> it's like people that's like either like a two, like a quick three-step trap and then, then go. Yeah. But yeah. he's, he can be very productive. And I think he's got a, a high snap role, a high volume role. And 
And the defense in Baltimore is always strong. And it's another team with a very solid secondary. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I agree hundred percent. I, I really like Owe. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we talked about it. There's, there's really, you know, Tyus Bowser's not bad, but you know, I, I think even with him, with Owe being a little bit raw, like I think he could still be the best pass rusher on this team by the end of year one. Oh, um, he's, he's got the talent, he's got the athleticism. Um, and then the other thing, like I, I always bring this up, but like his, the run defense is important as well, especially mm-hmm. for, for edge defenders in IDP. Yeah. Um, it keeps them on the field and, and Oe really approved that from, from 2019 to 2020. So all the, all the Baltimore guys are, are not bad at it. They're all decent, uh, run right. defenders. Um, they're not, you know, liabilities in any kind of way like like an Ngakwe was last year or or even like mm. a Caleb on Chase on in Jacksonville something like that but oh wait, yeah he's got he's got the 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 raw talent um and and Baltimore is kind of like the perfect spot for him I think to kind of be able to get after the passer and and develop those tools because they, they need somebody like that. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, he's more of that kind of stand up rusher. Um, so he fits that, that kind of scheme that they run there. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited about Owe. Um, yeah, I, I did. I said he, he was the unluckiest uh, <laughs> defender in college football last year. It was, it was, it was sad to see because I was worried that the zero sacks thing was going to knock him out of the first round or or the second round, and because it, it kept coming up in like the pre-draft process, um, yeah. analysts and stuff. So um, I, I'm glad that he was still able to get there. I'm a big fan of his, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be trying to draft him quite a bit too in rookie drafts. I've been pretty lucky. I've been, I've got him a few times in in true position. I know he's probably going to be listed as a linebacker mm-hmm. um, for the most part, but uh, yeah, on sleeper with dual eligibility and uh, true position leagues, he'll, he's going to be a big target of mine in like fourth round. Usually mm-hmm. is where I see him go. Yep. yep. So yeah, uh, I think Owe. yeah, I think he'll be good. Um, I, I, I think he'll have more than zero sacks this year. That's that's my yes. That's my hot take. I, <laughs> that's that's a very hot take, but you know what? I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go into the second round now of the NFL draft. With the 50th pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the New York Giants select Aziz Ojolari. And Aziz Ojolari. So we, we've talked about him already a little bit. Um, but another guy like, we, you know, he fell because of this knee injury that... So I guess he had a, he had a torn ACL as a high school senior. Uh, right. Is what I saw, right? And, you know it was, it was said to be like a degenerative thing now, um, which, you know, Gettleman's kind of come out and said like, he doesn't know where these concerns come from or whatever, uh, or that where they came from. So, I mean, of course he's going to say that, I guess, but you know, obviously the giants aren't concerned about it. They were able to grab him in the second round, which I think is a huge, huge value considering how good Mm. of a pass rusher Mm -hmm. he was. And, and he's, he, he, since he was a starter at Georgia too, I don't think he's missed a game. So I I don't think the knee injury, who knows, maybe long-term is more of an issue, but I'm, I'm surprised, um, that he fell so far. I thought he had a really good chance to, to maybe even be like the first edge defender taken, uh, in the draft. I think it was, possible but it, it yeah it started to the news started to come out the week of the draft and i guess that's what caused them to fall but um 
but either way, I, I like the landing spot uh, in New York. You got Leonard Williams who plays, plays mostly off the edge, like I said, but um, he does play all across the line. Yeah. Williams had a monster year last year, 11 mm-hmm. sacks, 62 pressures was really his best season, but they Easy. definitely needed yeah, a starter opposite him. Um, you know, if Fede Odenigbo is somebody that they brought in, he had some hype behind him in Minnesota last year. Didn't really work out for him. I'm not, he's not someone I'm worried about hurting Ojolari's prospects no. really. Um, same thing with Lorenzo Carter, who's another former, another former Georgia player. Mm-hmm. He's fine, but he's not really on Ojolari's level. Um, you got Carter Coughlin, who was like a seventh round pick last yeah, year. I'm not yeah. about that. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Ryan Anderson, and he's still around. And, <laughs> you know, he was a second round pick for the for Washington, and he he hasn't panned out either. So, I mean, there's pretty clear path to snaps, I think, for Ojolari to to mm-hmm. make a pretty big impact um, in year one. And you know, if you're concerned or anybody's concerned about like his run defense too, at which I'm not really, they got guys like Dexter Lawrence, Danny Shelton, BJ Hill, um, and Leonard Williams himself, who can all kind of take some of that burden off the table for him and and allow him to develop there. So yeah, I I really love the giants landing spot for, for Ojolari. How about you? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I thought it was a great landing spot and it's another defensive line where it's just, it's, now stacked across the line. I mean, you have Ojolari, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and you have the pressure at every single point, every, every single spot. So I wouldn't even be surprised. Like we were talking Lorenzo Carter, he kind of, the, the before he tore, what was he tears Achilles or his ACL? I think it was his Achilles last okay. year. I can't remember. I can't which remember. One was, yeah. But he was, they had him playing a little bit of off ball. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was kind of toying in between that hybrid role between edge rush and off ball linebacker. So maybe they can move him permanently to there. I mean, he's, he's got the athleticism to do it. He can, he's actually really good in run defense. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that considering they didn't do too much at linebacker. No, I don't think they even drafted anybody. Right. I think they're still planning on Tay Crowder as their LB2 or something like that. So, um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I mean, all in all the defense, it's an elite unit. Yeah. So it's a very, very good defense in New York and to add Ojolari to it, it's just, it makes it very imposing. So you're going to have teams that possibly are having to come back from behind because they added to the offense too. I know everybody's still down on Daniel Jones, but I could see him taking a leap this year, at least a small one. Right. But just to keep them ahead in game. So it's going to force teams to pass more. So you're going to see Ojolari pass in mm-hmm. the passer more. So I think it's, I think it's a good landing spot for him for sure. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I agree. Like the, the Daniel Jones thing, you know, I mean, they've, they put all the plate, the pieces in place basically for him mm-hmm. to take that next step this year. I think if he doesn't, you know, then that that's more on them to figure out what to do with the quarterback mm-hmm. position, but the defense. Yeah. Like you said, like it's a really good defense. I think that was the one piece that they kind of needed was just that extra edge rusher. And yeah, yeah sure. was a gift in the second round there. Oh man. So yeah, <laughs> it'll be, uh, it'll be good. I, the, you know, this, this edge class was kind of, people were down on it kind of coming into the draft and stuff, but some really interesting landing spots for these mm-hmm. top five guys. I think that, um, that that'll be interesting. I think they'll be able to put up some numbers and, um, and surprise some people for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so another Buffalo bill is the next guy off the board. Go. With the 61st pick 
In the 2021 draft, the Buffalo Bills select Carlos Basham Jr. Wake Forest University, defensive end. Oh, Carlos Basham, who is the second Bills edge defender taken. Um, they grab him in the second round now. So uh, <laughs> he's he's going to join that rotation with Gregory Rousseau, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, AJ Epinesa. So some big bodies in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we talked about him last time just playing a ton in college. Uh, he played like almost 2,300 snaps in his mm-hmm. four-year college career. So he's got a ton of experience. Uh, I think he played more than any other edge defender in this class. Quincy Roche was really close, but mm-hmm. um, Basham played, played the most. So I don't think that'll be the case, at least as a rookie for him. So he'll get a chance to finally catch his breath a little bit. And surprisingly, it's when he goes to the NFL. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Basham works well as kind of this, you know, maybe like a pass rush specialist uh, in Buffalo along their rotation there. Uh, I did see an article from, I think it was The Athletic, they, they, that they expect Basham to see the field more than Russo. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could see that he's he's more polished right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Russo has the much higher upside, but from a pure polish standpoint, I think you have to give it to Basham. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what. Yeah, sorry, I should have I should have left let it start let you start with it, but oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, but it just kind of I was just kind of thinking about this athletic article that I saw um, today, so that's why I kind of was rambling. But he. You know, they were saying too, like he can he can slide inside, um, mm-hmm. which yeah, you you had mentioned it last time too, right? He has yeah. that kind of interior defender uh, frame yeah. on him, so he he can play that inside a little bit. But that was also one of um, Rousseau's strengths as well in 2019, right. rushing from the interior or attacking guards and centers. So, um, well, look at that defensive line now. So they they obviously wanted to go heavy on the defensive line. And what they did is they grabbed a lot of very big bodies, very big athletic bodies for the, for the defensive line. So now you pretty much have everybody on that line is interchangeable throughout the defensive line. Like they can all slide inside. They can all play on the edge. I mean, you can run a lot of different, different schemes going on a lot of stunts. I mean, they can all, they can all go anywhere on that line. They can line up in different formations. It's, it's not something you can just say, all right, they're lining up here, they're lining up here. So mm-hmm. it's it's actually, they're doing something very interesting in Buffalo. I want to see how they actually attack it with their pass rush. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be Basham and it's going to be Rousseau who are going to be dominating the snaps towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think that makes sense, right? And and yeah, it is It is going to be an interesting line. Like it's very kind of versatile in, mm-hmm. in the, the players that they've, they've brought in. And like you said, they're, they're interchangeable because of their, you know, their skill sets and their, their, their sizes and, and things like that. And, you know, even Epinesa, like to his credit, yeah. like he didn't play a ton last year, but he, he, there were things that, um, to like about him basically like he had some pretty decent win rates pressure rates Mm -hmm. things like that um on his limited snaps so if he you know if he does get an expanded role and and starts to get a little bit more time could be a really really good defensive line for buffalo you you know especially if ed oliver um can take that yes third year i I I forget about it oliver yeah (laughs) yeah he's he's been forgettable so much hype (laughs) for him i was like i was so excited about ed oliver and then it was just like 
Yeah, he's what are done, you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's been very bland. Yeah. Hasn't really done anything in the NFL, but yeah, I, I'm willing to give Ed Oliver one more shot. You know, if he can, if he can kind of take that step this year. But I, you know, the, the rest of the defensive line I think is going to be good. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, but Basham, I, this was one of the few. Um, like landing spots that I got right when we were predicting landing mm-hmm. spots. I called um, Buffalo was one. Of, it was yeah. like one of the only ones that I got, but um, it makes sense. He's, he, he fits in with those, the thick boys along the, along the line there. So, um, yeah. you know, he may be an inconsistent run defender, um, but he does have that ability at least if, you know, if he's yeah. called upon and he's playing a bigger role, but um, you know, he, he, he like you said, he's more polished. He's got more experience than Russo. So could he potentially become better than Russo? It's, it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I believe that Russo, you know, he has the, 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 the athleticism, the size the 2019 tape that I, and the draft capital, I think he'll get the first opportunity mm-hmm. to, to, to get that role. And, and if he could hit the ground running, then I think there's no looking back with, with Russo as, as the top edge in Buffalo. And, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that Basham can't still be, still be legit basically. Right. Yeah, I think the, the deal with Epineza last year, not seeing the field too much is he was still a rookie. He still had some to learn and Buffalo was very competitive. So yeah. they were in every game. So they're not just going to play somebody just to give him time when they could be winning games. So they yeah. were winning games with Murphy and they were winning games with Hughes and Addison. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to play our vets because we actually have the chance at making it to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. So we're, we're going to let you work your way in but we're not going to force you in just because you're a high prized rookie. No, you're going to, you're going to work your way. in if you're going to get there, but otherwise we're going to play our guys and go for the super bowl. Yeah, for sure. And, and they, they were playing well, those guys they were, they're, you know, they're, they're a little bit older, but to their credit, like they were, they were being productive. They were making an impact. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Why go away from them? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see this year. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I think those guys are, they still have some juice left in the tank, those older guys. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, like we said, I think eventually it'll be Russo and, and, uh, yeah. and Basham there. I think it's gotta be. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't use like two for like two, two second round picks back-to-back years Epinesa and Basha plus a first round pick this year on your edge defenders you're obviously building for the future and right. you know if any of these guys start to show something in 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 games they're going to start to get the opportunity mm-hmm. basically um all right so we will head to the third round now with the 69th pick in the 2021 NFL draft the Cincinnati Bengals select Joseph Osai, linebacker, Texas. So Joseph Osai gets picked by the Bengals. Um, he was another guy that we we liked last time. Um, mm-hmm. And but I think most importantly, the biggest news coming out of Cincinnati after dress, drafting Osai. I don't know if you saw this or not, um, but Osai will not be wearing number forty six uh, for the Bengals. <laughs> That uh, that terrible ass number is finally put to rest. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll actually be wearing number fifty eight, which is Carl Lawson's old number. Oh, um, yeah, but at least he gets the you know slight aesthetic upgrade right away in the NFL. That was one of my big knocks on Osai <laughs> in college was that number, but uh, <laughs> it's a slight upgrade. But I'll, I'll still take it. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, I I do really like this pick for the Bengals. Um, I think it it kind of fits their 
their trend as well from last year where they drafted like 31 linebackers or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with those he was like being that former off ball linebacker it, um, transitioning to an edge player yeah uh, it, it, it's kind of a nice fit i you know the bengals have sam hubbard who's a decent run defender but he's kind of this so-so pass rusher um yeah. and then they have somebody like trey hendrickson who is more of a pass rush specialist and less less impactful uh, against the run so i think oh Sai is versatile is a versatile enough player that he can kind of fill in both of those needs as mm-hmm. needed there in Cincinnati um, to an extent uh, without the pressure of having to kind of start right away as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I'm still a fan of Osai. I think this is kind of a great spot for him to, to develop and um, continue to build those tools that he, he showed pretty well in Texas in his first year playing as a full-time edge. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm curious what you think of uh, Osai in Cincinnati. I mean, I, I like it. Cincinnati has over the past few years shown that they've been able to have three productive pass rushers on the team. I mean, so having Hendrickson get signed in free agency doesn't make me say, well, that completely kills Osai's role. I mean, right. but they, last year, or the year previous, they had Hubbard, Lawson, and um, Carlos Dunlap. And Hubbard, obviously, he was the tackle guy. I mean, he was at consecutive seasons of 70-plus tackles from an edge position. Yeah, it was crazy. He led all the defenders. And then you had Carl Lawson and Dunlap, who each had, I think, over eight sacks. So it's like, it's it's productive, even if you're coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. So if he can not lock down that third edge role, then I really see Osai can make an instant impact. So if he can be that 50, 50% snap guy, this is pretty much all Hendrickson is because Hendrickson himself isn't really a good run defender. Right. So Osai already comes in and he kind of has a leg up on Hendrickson from a versatility standpoint. So if he can show that he's, of adequate pass rusher or he's a good pass rusher he might even see more time than Hendrickson and Hendrickson just becomes the pass rushing specialist yeah yeah I could see that for sure I mean you know we know size a decent run defender because mm-hmm. of his time as an off-ball linebacker um, Hendrickson yeah like you said he's this kind of pass rush specialist and I mean, I think we could pretty much count on some regression from his 16 sack season yeah. last year um, so you know if he if he does start to you know, not be as productive and, and Osai like continues to develop the way he has been. I think there is a very decent chance that um, he gets a shot there. And, you know, Sam Hubbard, like I said, too, like he's, he's not this kind of elite pass rusher. So right. yeah, um, what do you have two sacks, two and a half sacks this past year? Yeah. Like 78 tackles, but only like two and a half sacks. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's one that you, you definitely have on your IDP team for those, mm-hmm. um, those tackle edge tackles. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, you're it's bonus if he gets a sack, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it'll be, it, it's not a bad pick at third round. I like it. Um, yeah. It's still decent draft capital. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he'll be a fun one to watch. He was a fun one to watch in college and uh, it'll be interesting in Cincinnati as they're slowly kind of building this defense a little bit, but um, yeah, I I do like Osai still quite a bit, Um, but uh, staying in the third round here, we have another name. With the 90th pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Patrick Jones. Defensive end, Pittsburgh. So Patrick Jones gets drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, What did you think about Mr. Patrick Jones going to Minnesota? Well, for Minnesota, I thought it was a little bit of a reach. 
But because we we talked about last time how Patrick Jones, you even pointed out to me, actually, I was higher on him at first, but how he, he win most of his sacks came when it was like after three seconds or something like that. He has the most sacks in college football after three seconds or something like that. It was a stat. I was like, Ooh, that's something I need to look back to myself. And you're right. It's a lot of, it's just second effort sacks and, yeah. and things like that. So I think it's a reach, but when it comes to landing spot, it's actually very good for Patrick Jones. I mean, Odenigbo has gone outside of Daniel Hunter and who knows how healthy he actually comes back. I mean, mm. neck injury is pretty significant outside of him. They have DJ Wanham, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So the fact he comes in with third round capital, they obviously have plans for him and they expect to use him at least a little bit. So, and DJ Wanham was good last year, but he wasn't amazing. So right. even if Hunter comes back healthy, he still has the, the opportunity to compete with Wanham for, for snap. So even if he, if he can come out and show out, he could even be the starter opposite of Daniel Hunter. Cause I mean, Wanham doesn't have himself high draft capital where they feel like they need to play him. So Patrick Jones comes in third round capital. They obviously like what they see in him. He could end up being the starter opposite of Daniel Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely in the realm of possibilities for, for Patrick Jones, you know, as much as we, we did, we weren't crazy about him as, as a pass rusher. Um, the, the landing spot in the draft capital is, is pretty decent. Um, and yeah, we talked about that, like his, you know, his, his three second pass, uh, or sacks and, um, is his high cleanup and on block pressure rate as well, um, being pretty high. And, and it's funny because, you know, of all the, the edge defenders in the NFL last year who had at least 20 pressures, um, DJ Wanham had more, had a higher percentage of cleanup and unblocked pressures than any other um, edge defender in the NFL. So he's, he's at 62%. It was, it was a really high, really, really high number for, for an edge rusher. The, the average was like around 20 like low, tw- low to mid twenties, but sixty-two percent for DJ Wanham of his pressures were either clean up or unblocked. So, so not- Patrick Jones is right in the perfect spot for his that's, skill that's set. Exactly right. He uh, he's joining the same kind of company over there, and yeah, no reason he can't beat him out. I don't think um, you know at the edge, like you said, opposite Daniel Hunter was a huge need for them, mm-hmm. uh, and they 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 kind of took a couple shots at it. They added Janarius Robinson as well in the fourth mm-hmm. round. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens with him, but yeah, I'm not overly confident that, that Wanham's going to be able to hold that job all year long or, right. or even get to like 500 snaps. I think with project guys like Jones and Robinson behind him, mm-hmm. um, they're going to chip away at that and, and possibly get a chance. And I mean, the Vikings liked him enough to take him in the third round. Yeah, like you said, it was a bit of a reach. I don't think I would have taken him there. I'm not that I'm an NFL GM or anything, but uh, it's it did seem like a bit of a reach. But there he is, and he ends up in a good spot. So we'll see. Um, I it, it's one of the better landing spots for sure for an edge yeah. rusher. And yeah, some you know if some other guys went there, uh, an Ojolari or a Quiddy Pay or something like that, I think we would have been a lot more excited. But yeah. even still, um, yeah, Patrick Jones is it's it's not in a bad spot to see the field for sure. <laughs> So let me get your, uh, I just want to ask you a question on this. Mm -hmm. So ever since Anthony Barr was drafted, Mm -hmm. he's been used at a position. I I don't see the guy as a weak side linebacker by any means. And they've just 
killed his career by trying to stick him out as an off-ball linebacker. He came out of college and he was one of the most productive edge rushers, like outside linebackers in college. Yeah. He's still yet to be used in that position in the NFL. It kills me. I would love to see him get a pass rusher role. It would be good. I mean, he's got like oh. decent size too. Like he, yeah. he very much like kind of Zayvon Collins like, right? Yeah, um, exactly. They're both very similar. They're both really good pass rushers coming out of college. Um, I remember Anthony Barr. So do you remember when he his his rookie contract ended? I think the Jets initially offered him a contract mm-hmm. and it got kind of whatever. It didn't go through. I can't remember what exactly happened. But I think Barr ended up backing out. I think uh, because they ended up signing um, CJ Mosley and they had somebody else. And all of a sudden it was like, he was now again, like second, third fiddle at the linebacker unit. Okay. So, so I was thinking that I I couldn't remember, I got to go back and try to Mm -hmm. find the story, but I remember there was talk about him potentially being an edge, even if the jets were to sign him. And I think it was, I think that was another one of the reasons too, that he didn't like oh, man. going to, going to New York. So <laughs> I think the chance was there. I, I could be wrong, but I, I, that's kind of what's in my memory right now from, from it. I'll, I'll have to go back and, and double check, but that was something that was interesting at the time. Cause it definitely suits his role. I think a lot oh, better. And he, I loved him coming out of college. Yeah. And then it was just like how he was used. I was like, Oh, you have ruined this man for me. <laughs> yeah. He, he, yeah, he was, he was an interesting prospect out of UCLA. And I, I think even during like the draft process, there was like certain teams, if they were going to take him, we're going to use them as an edge. And then other mm-hmm. ones, um, yeah, they were going to take him as an off ball linebacker and Minnesota, Mike Zimmer, they're just keeping him at that spot, I guess. And, Cause yeah, we, we yeah. He, he would really fit well there if it was him and Daniel Hunter. Like, right. I mean, who knows what Athleticism. kind of Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm with just you. try I, it Zimmer. I, just try it. Yeah. Switch it up a little bit. Put them on the edge. You can put, yeah. I don't know, whoever they drafted Chaz Surratt, um, right. Troy Dye, whoever you want to put next exactly. to Eric Hendricks. Um, yeah. Let, let Anthony Barco crazy. Cause yeah, he's been, he's been an okay off ball linebacker. Right. Um, you know, not bad by any means, but yeah, I, I agree. I think he does. He is playing a little bit out of position there. Sorry. I just had to go off, off topic real quick when we were no, talking. I, about I, I like it. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a good, it, it's a good point. Cause now I do want to go back and check that <laughs> whole thing with the jets. It's going yeah. to, it's going to bother me, but I'll, I'll check it after. Um, all right. So we go to the next player. This is one of the, the last players that we discussed last time, and he doesn't go till the sixth round, but it is. The Steelers take Quincy Roche's third defensive end drafted from the U. So Quincy Roche goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the sixth round, like 217th pick, something like that. Um, yeah, we 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 had some issues with with Quincy Roche last time, uh, specifically the game against Virginia Tech uh, and and Christian Derrissaw, uh, but also despite you know him having played a ton in college, he's he's got a lot of things that he he could work on, including his timing off the snap. Uh, and you had brought up like him kind of giving up on plays, not have and having that kind of lack of pursuit uh, near the end of plays as well. Um, and I, I, and I think that's all still relevant. He, he's definitely got to work on that. Um, but it, it's not the worst situation for him to go to. I kind of like it low key. Like it's, it's basically TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith as right. the starting edge defenders there in Pittsburgh, right? There's, 
almost nobody behind them. I mean, they right. haven't been able to afford anybody really, but <laughs> you know, what happens if one of those guys goes down? Like they, you know, you like last be- year when Bud Dupree went down, Highsmith got thrust into a role. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Roche, I mean, he's not really getting drafted in rookie drafts from what I've seen. He's mostly mm-hmm. going, you know, as a waiver claim later on, but um, yeah, I kind of like the landing spot just because that depth chart is so thin. Right. Um, and and we've seen him flash, you know, some pass rushing potential. So as a sixth round pick, I think he still even has some a, a chance to see the field. So I, yeah. you know, what did you think about it? I agree hundred percent. Like for a sixth round pick, this is probably the best landing spot you could have done because yeah. he obviously he has some pedigree. He, he was productive in college, but he obviously, like we said, has plenty of things he needs to work on. And with me, it was the pursuit and then the snap timing, of course. But with his role, what it's going to be, you don't really have to worry about pursuit too much. What they drafted him to do is you're going to go in, you're going to play like 40% snap share, 30% snap share. But when you're in there, I want you to just go after the quarterback. Right. That's all you're there to do. And that's what he does best. So if he can work on his snap timing, he has he has good pass rush moves. Mm-hmm. It's just, he just needs to put it all together. So if he can do that, I mean, I could see him have like a, five six sack season i, I can see it i yeah. smith is going to be your more of like your sam hubbard type of guy i feel like i think he's he's a very good run defender he's got good pass rush but i don't think he's going to be by any means an elite pass rusher so i mean i think five six sacks is still in the realm even for a six round pick yeah yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the the volume I think is going to be there. I don't think, you know, they're going to want like TJ Watt's going to play obviously a ton, mm-hmm. but I, you know, somebody like Highsmith, you know, it's hard. I, I think for for a seventeen game season, there's a lot of opportunity there mm-hmm. for for Quincy Roche to see mm-hmm. the field. So, um, yeah, he's definitely worth like if you know if you want to use a late round pick on him, but I think he's going to be available and you know on the waiver wire, especially yeah. at, at this point in the off season, early on when you know there's not a lot of hype behind these guys just yet. So and camp's not going on yet. Yeah, exactly. So worth a shot. Um, you know, uh, otherwise he'll he'll. Uh, It'll be a waiver claim in season or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, decent landing spot for sure. Especially like you said, a sixth round pick. Um, and then, so yeah, so th- those are pretty much everybody that we we talked about last time that we wanted to talk about again this time. There were two other guys we talked about last time. Uh, Shaka Tony, who gets drafted in the seventh round for the Washington football team. Uh, and Hamilcar Rashad, who went undrafted. Uh, ends up going to the Jets, though, um, in in undrafted free agency again and both those both those spots aren't bad either right um really you know like washington they have definitely a great defensive line but you know behind the starters really there's not there's not much yeah there's not much there so shaka tony who knows he might be able to see the field in, in year one hamilcar rashad we'll see you know I, I liked bryce huff as an undrafted free agent mm-hmm. last year as well so yeah, he Joe played Douglas pretty well too yeah, kind of find these guys. And and you mentioned it last time, um, you know, to go back and watch the 2019 tape for for Rashad because I wasn't a fan and yeah. it definitely was better. And and he yeah. did have the decent footwork. <laughs> uh, it was. It still wasn't like over overly inspiring. Right. But it was much better than 2020. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh yeah, either way, there they were guys that we we wanted to touch on last time, but this time we'll 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 let them go. We'll we'll uh we'll bring up some of the newer names here that have that have popped up that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Um and the first one I think is pretty interesting as well, is taken in the first round. We're the 28th pick in the 
the 2021 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select Peyton Turner, defensive end, Houston. So Peyton Turner gets picked 28th overall um, by the Saints. And yeah, this was this was a big one. But uh, what did you think about Peyton Turner? So originally I thought it was a reach because I feel like I, I had him graded like a second, third round talent maybe, but I didn't really look into him too much until like right before the draft. But the more I started watching tape, I was like, well, this guy has a lot of great athletic traits. So he's, I think 270 pounds, I think. So I was on the the saints and sinners pod, uh, last week or the week before with my guys from new Orleans. And, um, one of them brought up a stat of his, his reach, his wingspan is one of the longest wingspans of an edge defender since like 1985. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's well, pretty insane, but he's, wow. he's 270 pounds. He's got a huge wingspan and at 270, he's got unbelievable bend in his frame. Yeah. Like he can come off the edge and he's, he's literally like, he's, a, he's a C he's coming <laughs> across. It's crazy to me, but uh, his, he's super strong. He's athletic. He can slide inside, play outside. And if this was the guy that the saints really wanted, they had to take him in the first cause there was, he wasn't going to drop to them in the second. So he's another kind of guy. So you, right now you have, you lost Hendrickson. So it's still probably Davenport to start across from Cameron Jordan, but Davenport's been completely uninspiring for his career for a first round yeah. pick. But even if they want to play Davenport more, you can slide Turner inside. So you have Turner, Onyemata, Davenport and Cameron Jordan. That's a pretty good, defensive line. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I really like the landing spot. I think he has the opportunity for a very high volume snap rate because if, if Davenport doesn't show up again, then he could be the every down starter on the edge. But even if Davenport does play, he can slide inside. So. Yeah, for sure. He's been, he's been one that I've been warming up to as well. Like Mm -hmm. when, when they took him, when the saints took him in the first round, I was kind of surprised by it, but yeah, then you start to watch the tape a little bit more and and you start to kind of get it a little bit. You know, he, like you said, he has that great size, uh, six foot six, two seventy. He's got decent burst off the line too. Like, Mm -hmm. um, there's a really nice strip sack he has against UCF where, mm-hmm. he, like you said, he has that, that nice bend, but he just gets around it so quickly. And for a guy, his size, you don't, you know, see a lot of guys move that, that well. So um, I did find he was a little bit better lining up with the hand, with his hand in the dirt, as opposed mm-hmm. to like a two point stance, but he did have some good reps coming out of a two point stance as well. So um he was interesting. I, he was one of the few players to actually sack Zach Wilson as well behind that BYU O line. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a, a fun stat. So we we had credited B, the BYU O line with allowing just three sacks uh, in all of 2020, and Turner wow. was one of them. Um, yeah, they were one of the best offensive lines in the country, um, nice. and and he that. had some decent reps against them. So yeah. yeah, so that was that was a good one. It wasn't like his best game, but he did perform well at least. Um, and like you said, yeah, Davenport still got a year left on his contract, but he's he's been a disappointment to this point, especially for a team that traded up for him in the first yeah. round. Um, we've seen him get benched for like a you know a better producer like Hendrickson last year. There's no reason that you know Turner can't be a threat there as well. So right. um, yeah, I, I, like you said, I, I've been kind of warming up to, to Turner a little bit. I know I traded him away to you uh, in, in a league that we we're in, so. <laughs> There's some regret there I as well. Tooth and nail for that one too. I, I like, know yeah. you did. Yeah, it was that was a lot of counters and 
<laughs> so many counters. <laughs> yeah, a lot of back and forth there. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I, I mean, I still want to see him pan out. But um, yeah, I, getting John Johnson, I also want to, you know, him to perform well as a Brown. So. Oh, I know. And I'm I'm so thin at safety in that league too, defensive yeah. back. But I was like, you know what? I'm stacking picks for the 23 to draft. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm doing. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Why not? I mean, yeah, and yeah, I think I think Turner, I think he can be a contributor probably mm-hmm. as a part time player um, right. in year one. But I mean, after that, I think he's he, you know he could very well be. Cameron Jordan's getting older too, right? Yeah, so, he's thirty one, I think. Yeah, so you know there eventually is going to be a drop off there for him too. So he's in a good spot. Uh, you know, it might not be as a rookie necessarily, but like you said, there's the possibility of him moving inside too. He has the size to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know why not if uh, if they want to get him on the field? So yeah, um, yeah, interesting player for sure, Turner. All right, uh, another first round pick. Um, a little bit more of a surprise for me. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Joe Tryon, linebacker, Washington. So Joe Tryon gets taken by the Bucks uh, with the 32nd pick. So the last pick of the first round, uh, he was another guy that had opted out of, of 2020, mm-hmm. um, but still went in the first round. So this one, again, a little bit more puzzling to me. Um, you know, he definitely has the size and athleticism. You see that kind of watching his tape and his attack. Uh, he's got good power in his bull rush, uh, speed around the edge, great burst off the line. So I definitely get the appeal. Um, he, he, he just didn't, I just didn't see the consistency with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has some really good games where, you know, he, he, he doesn't look like, um, you know, where he does look like a first round pick. And then there's other games where, he, you know, he look doesn't look anything more than like an average pass rusher, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the games that come to mind were those ones against like BYU and USC. Um, he just doesn't have a lot of positive reps and really kind of struggles to win in those games. Um, but then there's other games. So one, the one against Utah, uh, where he's, he's actually winning consistently in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of speed power uses a variety of different moves on both sides of the line. Um, and ended up with like eight pressures and two sacks in that one. So yeah. it was a really good game for him. And, you know, you see a game like that and you could, you kind of see why he's a first round pick, but the, like I said, that inconsistency is still there as well. And, 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 um, you know, again, the the opportunity in Tampa Bay, it's Jason Pierre-Paul and it's Shaq Barrett. And after that, it's like Anthony Nelson. Nobody. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't worry about Anthony Nelson being too much of a, a, a threat to a first round pick like Joe Tryon. So um, there's, there's opportunity there for him too. You know, he's probably going in fifth rounds, even undrafted in some yeah. rookie drafts, but um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be one to, to kind of, keep an eye on after drafts end or late in drafts. If you want to take a shot on an edge rusher, but um, what did you think of try on? Um, so I actually did his um, player profile for our rookie draft magazine. And first few games that I watched of him, I actually wasn't that impressed. So mm-hmm. I saw he has the technique, he has the tools, but he just wasn't consistently winning. And he, so he was too easy. I, I saw way too many times where it was even tight ends who were able to chip him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I was, I, I just wasn't too much of a fan. So then I was talking to uh, Sean Lanny at Lanny one, nine, two, five. He's another one of our draft analysts at IDP guys. And he's like, 
you need to watch more Joe Tryon because he's really good. Hmm. So I was like, all right. So I started watching more tape and I came across the Utah game, like yeah. you said, and that Utah game, it's like, okay, this guy's definitely got the tools. He obviously knows he he's got it there. He just needs to, con- like you said, consistently put it together. Yeah. So his, where he lands is actually really good. I mean, JPP, he's what, 32. They gave him a two year extension, I think. Right. But I mean, honestly, if you remember JPP in New York when he was younger, he was even like with him, Osu Manura and Tuck, they were all kind of rotating along the line. So if you need JPP to slide inside for a couple of reps, if you're like on a pure pass rush down, you could still slide Joe Tryon in and you can have Tryon, JPP and Shaquille Barrett. And Barrett himself played kind of that inside role a little bit every now and then in Denver. So... I mean, he, th- there's opportunity for him to show up even his rookie season, but he obviously has the first round draft capital where they have plans for him in the future. So like even late fourth round, fifth round of rookie drafts, I'm going to take Joe Tryon. No problem because yeah. there's guys there that people are taking that were undrafted wide receivers. So I'm like, you can go ahead and do that. Right. I'm going to take a first round pick. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the beauty of IDP drafts, right? Like there's yeah. always going to be somebody who's willing to take a shot on like a sixth round receiver or an undrafted yeah. guy that they liked coming in. And yeah, you're going to get these guys with good capital, um, you know, for, for IDP and, and try on definitely one of them. Um, I think he might be another guy that they, I, he, I think right now he's listed as a linebacker. I'll be interested to see yeah. if it stays that way. Um, but he's another one to kind of keep an eye on as far as positional designation goes. But um, yeah, I mean, the first round draft capital is, is huge. Obviously yeah. he's going to get the playing time. He's going to get a lot of chances to see the field. So um, definitely take a shot on him uh, yeah. later in drafts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next guy on the list is another second round pick. And with the 54th pick in the 2021 NFL Drive, the Indianapolis Colts select Daniel Odangbo, Dean Vanderbilt. So Deo Odeingbo goes to the Indianapolis Colts. They go back to back edge rushers, uh, doubling up. What did you think of uh, Odeingbo going to the Colts? I thought that was also a reach, especially yeah. considering the fact that he tore his Achilles in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So that's really a reach to me. I mean, he might not even see the field this year. He probably won't see the field this year, but athletically he's unbelievable. Like he's a big guy. He's I think six, five, 285 pounds. And he's like that Peyton Turner style edge rusher. Like he has very good bend for a man, 285 pounds. Like men that size aren't supposed to move like that, but he's, he's also a guy who he, he doesn't have too much technique. He's got, strong arms, but his, even his functional strength in his upper body needs, he needs some work there. So he has a good jab, but he can't continue with it. If he doesn't create separation with his jab, then he's, he can get locked with a, with a tackle quite easily. So if he can actually pack on some frame, he's a guy that can slide inside and that line Mm -hmm. all across, they have a lot of guys that can do that. Um, So it's a pretty good pick but I think they could have probably gotten him in the fourth round. Yeah. I don't know. And it's just a reach for me and he's not going to play this year. I'm, I'm kind of letting him slide into waivers. I'm not, I'm not going too deep into him because they have, they have pay and then they have Buckner and that's going to be where your, most of your production comes from. And then your random Danico Autry outburst of two or three sacks. Yeah. Out of nowhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even they have Tyreek Lewis as well. Tyreek Lewis, Kimoko Ture, if he comes back and plays some, um, Al, was it Al Kadeen Muhammad? Al Kadeen Muhammad, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they have guys. So the fact that he's missing his entire rookie season doesn't bode well. Right. Yeah. And I, I like what you said too, like about him, you know, it being a good fit for that team. Like it's just, yeah, it's just where he was taken um, because they do like to move their guys a little bit on the interior. So like Taekwon Lewis, um, mm-hmm. Nico Autry, like those guys will slip inside. And I think, you know, uh, Ode Ingbo can do that as well. He, he played mostly as, as an edge at Vanderbilt, but um, did get a lot of work uh, in the, in the B gap at nose over the tackle. He has, he has that kind of size to play inside or out, but yeah, the, the Achilles injury is a big one. Um, he had a really bad missed tackle rate as well, which was a big downer for me. It was like 29.6% on 109 attempts. So really, really bad missed yeah, tackle that's rate. Not good at all. Yeah. That's not going to help you see the field. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we'll see. I mean, like you said, you mentioned Kamoko Toure. I still have a lot of Kamoko Toure shares in, mm-hmm. in IDP leagues. I'm still a believer in him. I just want him to stay healthy and exactly get on the field. And and if he does, you know, that's that's another spot that Odeigbo, you know, loses at, at, in the depth chart. So, um, it, you know, it's it's probably a better NFL fits, I think, than, yeah. than an IDP for sure. All right. Um, so we go on to the third round for another name. So going from one really big player to some of the smaller players here. Um, we have. With the 79th pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Malcolm Koontz, defensive end, Buffalo. Malcolm Koontz gets drafted by the Las Vegas Raiders in the third round. Um so this one again, the Raiders, they don't care about draft anybody else's draft boards. They don't care about, you know, anything um as far as, you know, anyone else's pre-draft analysis goes. They're going to take their guys. They don't care where they're going to what the value is. They're just going to grab them. Um they grabbed Malcolm Koontz here in the 3rd. I don't think anybody was really expecting him to go that high, but no. Um yeah, he's you know he's a, he's an interesting guy. I think I ended up watching the tape after they took him, um, and there's there's things to like about him. So mm-hmm. uh, he he has a sack against Northern Illinois, um, and yeah, I know it's you know it's Northern Illinois, but <laughs> um, it, it was a really it was a really nice play. I felt like I was watching it in kind of like one and a half times speed, um, mm-hmm. for how quickly he went from the outside to the inside and barreled down on the quarterback before he reached even the top of his drop. Um, you know he he does have like a better kind of pass rush plan than than somebody maybe like a Joe Tryon, for example. Yeah. Um, where, you know, he Joe Tryon, like I think you mentioned, had relied a little bit more on his, his athleticism to win. Mm-hmm. Where Koontz, I think, does a better job of kind of setting up the tackles and, and using a little bit more of a repertoire of pass rush moves to win. Uh, he has this nice little kind of hop step that he does that freezes offensive tackles. And as soon as they hesitate, even for a split second, it's just like bang, he hits the NOS and he, he blows right by them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice to see. He does have some kind of relentless, relentless relentlessness to his game as well, which <laughs> helps him make some big plays in the run game, but yeah. he's definitely going to need some work there. I don't think he's going to be as great NFL run defender at all. Um, he's got to work on his tackling too. He's another guy um, that had a high missed tackle rate at like 22.9% in mm. just six games. 
you know, there, so those are kind of the things to like, you know, I, I try not to go into any of too much of the negatives, you know, another positive form, I guess, is the depth chart as well. Um, you know, in Gawkway, Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, I guess it's mm. not an impossible, um, path to snaps, but it's still not great. Um, I, you know, he, maybe he gets a chance to be a sleeper for the, for the Raiders, uh, you know, someone that they've been looking for someone to kind of step up at that position. Yeah. We'll see. I, you know, I think they're getting a little too excited in Las Vegas over him. I'm already hearing the, the Khalil Mack comps because they both went to Buffalo, which is oh, kind of like, just relax oh, a little boy. bit on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, the guy, you know, playing in Buffalo in the Mac, that level of competition that he faced was nowhere near the best. So it's going to take him some time to get up to speed in the NFL, I think. Um, but what, what did you think of uh, the Raiders and Malcolm Coons? Uh, it was like the whole Raiders draft blew my mind. So my brother's a Raiders <laughs> fan. So when the draft concluded, I said, so you have Jonathan Abrams, who was, what was he, a first or second round pick for he the Raiders? First round pick. So yeah. he was your first round pick. And then you take... Coons in the third and then three more safeties. <laughs> three safeties. I know that shows a lot of confidence in your, in your first round pick John. Right. Like, oh man, but Coons, I mean, yeah, he does have some good reps. Mm-hmm. My worries about him is his size in the NFL and that he played, like he didn't even dominate the Mac. Yeah. Like he, she obviously had some dominant snaps but it wasn't like he was like Khalil Mack was dominant. Right. That was the difference. That's the difference between the two. Khalil Mack had the body (laughs) and he had the show. Yeah. Koontz is, doesn't have the body and he's a mixed bag in the Mac. So it's like, I see what you, what you like. The positive is very nice to see. Like it's, it's very good. Like you said, he's, he's very calculated in his rush, but the negative is the, the, the missed tackle rate, that 22% missed tackle rate. Like how does two guys with, over 22% missed tackle rates go in the second and third round. Yeah. I don't understand that, especially with who's still on the board. Yeah. So, I mean, he's probably going to, to me, he'll probably end up being a pass rush specialist. Like Farrell is a better run defender. So mm-hmm. he'll probably be in, in base sets and then Koontz will come in and play because they, it's the Raiders. They're going to play a lot of base. Yeah. It's just there. It's John Gruden old style football. Yeah. So they don't really deviate from that. So you'll have Farrell in on on rush snaps and then maybe maybe Coons comes in and teams up with Crosby in in the pass rush. But I I'm just he's another guy I'm kinda Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean they they probably could have got him in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah. I, I I can't see why not. I mean, I, I would love to see like some teams boards to see where they had them. Yeah. I think that would be like a study in itself is like once Mayock is eventually fired, um, (laughs) (laughs) is to just collect like the Raiders draft boards and just see some of the wild, wild takes that are on there. Um, and I wonder, is it, is it Mayock influence or is it Gruden? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it's probably both of them, right? Like, yeah, it feels like, you know, Gruden has his guys, his Gruden's grinders or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of misses in there. So, you know, it oh, doesn't wow. give you a ton of confidence that Malcolm Koontz is going to be this great player no. um, as much as, you know, people want to try to compare him to Khalil Mack from what I've seen, which is just ridiculous. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. But temper expectations with Malcolm Koontz, the draft 
the draft capital is not bad, but also keeping in mind that it's Raiders draft capital. So it mm-hmm. should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, right. need to, I need to take that clip and just play it for my brother. It's oh, Raiders wow. draft capital. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. And he yeah. agrees. He agrees too. He's like, man, I don't know. He's like, I was so excited when Mayak came because of, how he just analyzed the draft. And yeah. since he's been there, their drafts have been terrible. It's like right away from the first pick that he made with mm-hmm. Cleveland Farrell for it's like, all you're just like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, this is why'd work. you do that? Yeah. <laughs> just right away. It, yeah. Especially with like somebody like Josh Allen was still on the board. Oh, you know, man. there, there were players that they could have had there. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how much longer it lasts in in Vegas. I know they gave Gruden that huge extension or huge deal, yeah. ten years. So might be a while. We'll see. <laughs> uh, all right, staying in the in the third round here. Ninety-six pick in the two thousand twenty-one NFL draft, the New England Patriots select Ronnie Perkins, defensive end, Oklahoma. So Ronnie Perkins uh, goes to the New England Patriots with the 97th pick. Um, what did you think of Ronnie Perkins in uh, in New England? Well, I liked Ronnie Perkins better as a prospect than I do his landing spot. I mean, he's a very, very strong edge rusher. His strength is, I think, his his best trait. Um, I don't. He's not very flexible. So I actually, I see him more of like an interior lineman, to be honest with you, when I watched him play, but he, he was very productive on the edge, to be honest, but um, he's very strong, but the New England line, so they re-signed Dietrich Wise. So they have Dietrich Wise. Um, they just, they traded up for Ronnie Perkins. So there's mm-hmm. that upside. So they obviously wanted him. Um, oh, they just uh, drafted Chase Winovich. So Winovich played well. But Winovich wise, and then you have Ronnie Perkins, they're likely just to kind of rotate. And then oh, you yeah. you got to remember, um, they still have Josh Uche, who is actually more of an edge rusher than an off-ball linebacker, which is what mm-hmm. they kind of draft him for. But I, he could still get in there on the edge rush game, too. So it's like, it's going to be New England-style football. It's going to be rotating in who's going to play more certain games because they fit the scheme they're going to play. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, anybody that's owned Chase Winovich in, in the past couple of years for for IDP knows that it's a pretty frustrating thing to have a Belichick IDP um, on your roster because of that rotation. It's just it's constant. Um, you never know which which player to trust and which week. It's it's constantly changing. Um, you know, Perkins. He, he was one of the guys that you know, popped as far as like the analytics goes, Mm -hmm. um, in in the pre-draft process, he had like a 90.4 pass rush grade, uh, 90.7 run defense grade, uh, 24.7 pass rush win rate, 18.8% pressure rate. So really good numbers kind of across the board, but he did it on just like 176 pass rush attempts, um, and only 84 run defense snaps. So, pretty pretty low um pretty small sample size he was he was a part-time player for oklahoma uh, it feels like he's going to be a part-time player in a, in a rotation heavy defense in new england as well mm-hmm. so um you know we'll, we'll see i mean maybe he can develop and be you know a top edge rusher there but if he's going to need to be on the field for a pretty significant amount um to trust him uh and you know i, I was watching a little bit more of him this week and 
if you want to see an elite Ronnie Perkins um, game, you could watch the the 2020 game against Kansas. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, Kansas is like one of the worst offensive lines <laughs> in the country. They had so on our, in our grades, um, they were the second worst pass blocking grade in the country. It was an 18.2 um, on a zero to 100 scale. You don't see that's, bad. that's really bad. That's bad. Yeah, but Perkins dominated in that game. So if you don't know that about Kansas's offensive line, uh, he has like a 94, 95.2 pass rush grade in that game, 11 pressures, two sacks. His win rate was like above 50%. Um, it's just ridiculous. So, but he did it again he j- on just like 38 snaps. So yeah. even in that game, he was a part time player. So. I think there's a lot of question marks for him. Um, you know, can he do it full time? He's still got to work on his hands, some mm-hmm. counters, things like that. Uh, you know, Ronnie Perkins, as much as we liked him analytically, it's it's going to be hard to see him, you know, developing in, into an IDP, at least right away. Um, it's probably going to take some time, a slow burn like they usually are in New England. Yeah. Just remember, New England does not care about your fantasy football team. No, ever, no they do ever. not. <laughs> Just look at their running back rotation. They do oh. not care. <laughs> Drafted another running back this I year. I know, like I wonders. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate landing spot. Same thing, you know. Even like Christian Barmore going there, mm-hmm. kind of a bummer too. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. All right. the uh, The last name on the list in the fourth round. One hundred eighteenth pick in the twenty twenty one NFL Draft. The Los Angeles Chargers select. Chris Rumpf, defensive end, Duke. So Chris Rumpf gets taken by the Chargers. Uh, fourth round pick. He's, he's another smaller edge player like Malcolm Kuntz. Um, but it, for him, it was to the point where there was already talks about him maybe being like an off-ball linebacker in the NFL. Um, it doesn't seem like the Chargers are willing to go that route just yet. They, it seems like they'll be playing him on the edge, which I think it's a position of need for them. So that's a good mm-hmm. thing for, for his prospects. Um, and he was a guy that he showed well in analytics as well. So 26.2 pass rush win rate uh, from the last two seasons combined, which was first among all draft eligible defenders uh, in the P five and the power five. So that was, that was promising. Um, he probably works as like a designated pass rusher for the chargers. Uh, Duke used him quite a bit in like that Joker role where he's kind of walking around the line a little bit, standing mm-hmm. up um, and then attacking at the snap. Uh but, you know, aside from Joey Bosa, again, you know, they have Chenna Nwosu, who's not bad, but, um, you know, it's not like this uh, elite competition in front of him. Kyler Fackrell, is, he's flashed in his NFL career, but yeah. he's not really a starter, in my opinion. Um, so there's there's opportunity, at least for Rumpf in, in L.A. to make an impact. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious what you think about uh, Rumpf as a charger. I mean, I like the landing spot because, obviously, Ingram's gone. Yep. And like you said, it's Uwosu and uh, Fackrell. And as good as they have, they've both flashed in their career, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like overly confident either one of them holding down a starting spot. And like you said, Rumpf has, he has a very incredibly good win rate. Mm-hmm. And which means he, he's, I mean, he's a pretty polished pass rusher. I mean, he, he gets at it. He's quick. And like you said, the Joker role. So he, he understands timing, obviously. Um, He's got great speed, but he's got the lack of size. But I think he's got good technique. He's got good bend. He's got good athleticism. So 
he'll see time is this year. He will see time in the field. Right. But I don't think he's somebody you really want to, he's not a target. He's somebody, if you're floating around in the sixth round, seventh round of your rookie draft and you don't really need anything and you're thin at the, the line at your D line position and he's listed as a DL, if he doesn't go to off ball, then why not take a shot on him? Cause if he mm-hmm. wins the starting jab, then he could be productive across from Joey Bosa. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bosa, yeah, he's going to play a ton, but even he, you know, he hasn't been healthy for his career yeah. um, either. Right. So opportunity is probably going to present itself for Rumpf at some point uh, as a rookie, as long as, you know, he's healthy himself, but um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be interesting. I, he's not somebody that I'm, you know, probably drafting. Right. Um, but again, you know, you're taking a shot on guys late in the, in the waiver wire. Uh, why not add him if you, if you need the edge helper, you don't want to take a flyer. Right. So, yeah. All right. Um, so that's, that's 15 guys right there. That's the entire list. Um, what do you say? We, we go through and, uh, and rank these players. So let's start, uh, let's go 15 to one. Let's do it that way. We'll do a countdown. Um, make it a little bit more sp- suspenseful, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, who did you have as your number 15? Uh, Dio Odeyingbo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just mainly because of the Achilles and yeah. yeah. Just, it's just doesn't, it's not a good fit for me. Yeah. Just, it's too crowded and yeah. he's not going to see time. Yeah. As much as it was like, you know, nice that he got the second round draft capital. I think there's better opportunity for other guys and he's definitely number 15 for me as well. Um, not somebody that I'm overly interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at number 14, I put Ronnie Perkins. Um, Same. Nice. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Mainly just because again, crowded situation. Yep. Yeah. I mean, who knows, you know, he can develop there in new England, but you know, uh, he's probably not somebody I'm adding my, t- uh, adding onto my team as a rookie. Like if he starts to kind of show some signs, maybe year two, year three, he gets on a roster and IDP leagues, but hey, he's not somebody that I want to add right now. Right. Um, yeah. How about uh, number 13? Who did you have there? Uh, Coons, Malcolm Coons. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're three for three so far. <laughs> it always happens. Um, yeah, yeah. Koontz, you know, smaller guy, he, he's Raiders. Awesome, but it's just, yeah, against the, yeah. it's, it, it's the just, competition too, right? Like, yeah, like you said, just, you know, if you're not dominating in the Mac and you, you still somehow get a third round pick, it just feels like a reach. Right. right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's where we are with Koontz. Yeah. Um, at number 12, I put Quincy Roche. I went with Rumpf. Okay. His rump. Oh, sorry. Rump. You're right. I it is it actually is rump. This is not me trying to sorry. I skipped my name. I didn't put numbers beside them like a fool. Um yeah. yeah I it is rump. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, rump is yeah, he's he's another guy. He's smaller, maybe he gets a shot on the field, but he's gotta show quite a bit to to make it as an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you know. The, the positive for him is that the, the opportunity could be there for him. Right. Um, yeah. So that kind of gave the spoiler away for who my number 11 is, is Quincy Roche. 
Mine too. Okay. <laughs> so excited. Right on board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much uh, discourse here, but um, yeah, Quincy Roche, another guy that, you know, was, is more of a, like a raw prospect doesn't have, you know, these kind of elite tools like some of the other guys, but again, the opportunity these that's kind of the main thing right it's, we're playing idp here we want guys that are going to see the field so mm-hmm. um roche you know it's it's not the best opportunity but it's definitely not the worst um considering that there's only two guys in front of them basically right um so yeah uh all right next one what are we at 10 mm-hmm. i should have put numbers um <laughs> number 10 for me was patrick jones I went with Joseph Osai. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, either guy, um, they're probably not starting right away. Um, mm-hmm. Osai was number nine for me. So, um, I feel like- number nine for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not far off. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's we, we talked about it. I mean, there's a chance for for these guys to put in work, but as far as like IDP goes, it's going to need to be significant work. And and Patrick Jones, you know, maybe he does beat out DJ Wanham. I think Stephen Weatherly's there as well. Now that I think about it, I can't remember, but he was somebody. I think he's in Carolina now. Is it Carolina? Oh yeah, I think right. so. And so maybe I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so never mind then. Um, Patrick Jones still has just DJ Wanham uh, in front of him. Um, yeah. No, nobody really special. Joseph Osai, same thing. Hubbard and uh, Hendrickson. Uh, Hendrickson. So, all right. Um, how about number eight? Who did you have? Number eight. Uh, I had Bashan. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> what if we have the exact same list going all the way? Oh to my one gosh. Here? Except I mean, for Osai and Jones. One, yeah, just the one little switch there. But um, yeah, Basham, um, you know, there, like I said, like we were talking about him, you know, there's a chance that he could be the top edge in Buffalo. But I think I think Russo gets every opportunity to be that guy first. Yeah, his um, athleticism and that you, that size, it's yeah. just, it's tough to match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. At number seven, I have Joe Tryon. Me too. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's gonna it's gonna come down to the wire here. Um, yeah, Joe Tryon. You know, I, these are these are all the top guys. I think as we we get into this group here, top mm-hmm. seven. Um, Tryon, I think you know he's he's last on that kind of elite list. Mm-hmm. Um, elite, I say, but um, kind of targeted list players that right. you really want to actually draft. So. Um, it's not again not a terrible opportunity in Tampa Bay. He's he, he could see the fields even with JPP and Chuck Barrett out there. So mm-hmm. uh, number six, who did you have as number six? Number six, I had Peyton Turner. Yeah. Okay. So we're right. <laughs> still the same. Still the same, Joey. Uh, Peyton Turner is number six for me as well. <laughs> uh, I love yeah, his ability he, to play all across the line. I love his size with his athleticism. He could move up. I mean, it's possible, but there's just the guys ahead of him. I feel like I think this next group of guys ahead of him is like the top five. Like it's pretty definitive. It's them. Right. right. And then you have smaller tiers after. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think there is yeah drop off, um, from the top five to, to six to seven. 
you know, and then there's another tier, like you said, mm-hmm. with, with the bash at Mosai, um, players like that. So, yep, that makes sense. Um, number five, I put Gregory Rousseau. Um, you did too. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, people, this is, this is consensus ranking here. So this is obviously <laughs> accurate. We have more than one person. <laughs> this is what you have to stick to. Because, oh, man. Uh, yeah. It, it's, we, we, again, we talked about it. He's got the first round draft capital, yep. six, 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 seven length. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be a problem if he can develop in Buffalo. He's, he's got the, he's got all the makings of a top edge rusher really. Mm-hmm. So we just got to develop it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we might, we might end up being different here, I think. So who did you have as number four? Oh, to fail away. Okay. We, we are different. We are different then. I thought you might have him a little higher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have Ojolari here. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as I love Ojolari. Um, I, I know you do too. Um, I, I put him here and, and, Really, I mean, I could see it. Yeah, Oway Ojolari. I do think Ojolari is a first-round talent. He mm-hmm. just didn't end up going that way, right? Um, because of the knee thing. But um, either one of those guys, they're both in like great, great spots to produce. Yeah. I think they're they're going to be automatic starters, um, you know, early on in the season, and and that's going to give them all the opportunity to put up big numbers. So, um, yeah, four and three. Uh, Ojolari Owe makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I have Ojolari at three. So it's just like those two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I guess the only difference that could be obviously is who our number two and number one is. Um, Did your number one change at all from last time? No. No, still yeah, Phillips. me neither. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So two is Quiddy Pay. One is Jalen Phillips. I mean, we talked about it. We love the landing spot. We love the draft mm-hmm. capital. We love the talent. Everything is there for these guys. Um, either one of them, it could be one A, one B by the end of the season. They're yeah. that good. Um, yeah. I, 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 either one of these guys, if I'm, if I'm in need of an edge rusher um, in a, in a rookie draft and I get one of these guys, I'm extremely happy. So hundred percent, they'll be instant starters. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting, you're probably getting production right out the gate. So that's always a nice bonus for rookies. Um, yeah. So that, that that's the list one to 15, pretty much exactly the same two so minor close. differences. Yeah. <laughs> and the for, crazy part is, is on our first episode pre-draft, we were quite different. Right. So that's it's like, right. yeah. Yeah, we, we, had through few, and, we had a few that were the same, but yeah, yeah, we had a little bit more differences. And then, yeah. And then landing I mean, spots happen. And we're like, all right. Yeah, it just <laughs> it just makes sense, right? You yeah. see the landing spots and the picture just becomes clearer, like where these guys should be going. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't, you don't usually deviate too much from it. Um, I know, yeah, these rankings for me, these have changed. These are, these actually have changed these, these rankings from when I initially did my, um, my top 50. IDPs for the year after the mm-hmm. draft, but it, it, you know, it's not all that much that, um, a few guys yeah. here and there that have moved basically. Um, and how about for Barmore? Like just, just for one more name it, among this list, where would you rank Barmore, um, in this group? Um, you know, if you, if you, it was a DT required league, if it was a DT required league, I would probably slot him. It was DT required league. Maybe after Basham. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking either between Tryon and Basham, maybe a little bit after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that makes sense. The edge defenders are still, 
there's still the the you know the top priority in drafts um and yeah who knows with new england right yeah with uh what i feel like in d tackle like when you have to when you're in leagues where you have to start d tackles you can almost stream the position yep you can yeah. just just follow offensive lines yeah I, I i i did an article on that for like two years running I based it off of just do defensive tackle streamers each week based off mm-hmm. of who they're playing. And actually the hit rate was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a good way of doing it. I mean, like, unless you have like one of the top guys, Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, Chris yeah. Jones, like, you know, it's pretty volatile position. So yeah, right. streaming it is definitely not the, the worst way to go about it. And you can, if you know what the matchups are going to be like that, um, you get the offensive line information. Um, you can take advantage of it. So yeah, yeah it's a good call. I like that. Um, but there we go. Uh, 15 rookie edge rushers discussed ranked, uh, for all your rookie draft needs, uh, a huge thank you to Joey, uh, for coming back on the show once again, to discuss, My pleasure. This, <laughs> discuss this edge rusher class. I honestly, I can't think of a better person to help me break it all down. So, so thank you very much, sir. Oh, um, thanks for having me, man. I have a blast again. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's always fun. I love getting to talk to you. You have so much knowledge and, and experience doing this, this kind of stuff. It's always good to pick your brain and it's, it's, it's nice for me to know that our rankings are, are close enough. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah. That, that helps my confidence a little bit. Same likewise, man. Yeah. So, um, but before you go, please, uh, please share with the good listeners where they could find you and your work. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Joey, the tooth IDP. Uh, and you can find all my content at idpguys.org. I'm their content manager, help pushing everything out. Um, we got the draft magazine coming out soon, very soon, actually. And, um, make sure you sign up for the second annual IDP guys invitational where mm-hmm. we have, it's a charity for that benefits autism. And uh, last year we raised just over $2,000. So we're looking to surpass that this year and uh, have fun playing IDP. That's great. That's a great cause. Yeah. I signed up for this is the first year I'll be in it. So I'm excited. It'll be fun. And yeah, it's always good when you could, you know, you could donate to a good cause and and have some fun with it as well. So definitely sign up for the IDP invitational check out Joey's work on idpguys.org and give him a follow on the Twitters as well. If you're not already, um, and if you're looking for my work uh, and myself, I could be reached on Twitter as well at PFF underscore Macri. Uh, you could slide into the DMs if you have any IDP questions or just want to talk football. I'm always happy to chat. Uh, I also write a, a weekly fantasy article throughout the offseason for PFF.com and two per week in season. Uh, I just dropped my combined offense plus IDP rankings on the site. Uh So you can go get yourself a PFF Edge or Elite subscription, get access to all that great content, uh, as well as the famous player grades that not a single person on the planet ever takes issue with over at PFF.com. And on the next episode, I'm very lucky to have the great John Glosser of DynastyNerds.com complete the hat trick of returning guests that covered rookies with me pre-draft as we will be revisiting the rookie safeties and re-ranking that group. Um, it's a really interesting safety class this year, so you won't want to miss that uh, in a couple of weeks. But for now, ID peace out.